on this edition of the Michigan State of Sports. You asked and we finally delivered. It's a mailbag Monday. The questions you never knew you needed answers to. We got them. That's all next. The Michigan State of Sports. Greetings, one and all. Happy Monday. Happy days. Happy sunny. I think I've said that one before, but it's because it's beautiful outside, and that's how I always feel when it's sunny outside. I just say happy sunny, like I'm just happy in general. Tony Garcia, host of the Michigan State of Sports, alongside my co-host, my wonderful co-host, my maybe still slightly hungover two days later co-host, Jay Greenman. How you doing, bro? <laughs> I'm good, Tony Garcia. Thanks for outing me in the first 30 seconds of this. I, I told you that in confidence. We're getting a little bit older here. Me older than you, and you just... Your boys don't bounce back as as quickly, and it's not as effortless as it used to be. You know, it takes a little bit more, um, a little bit more forward thinking in terms of what substances you're going to use for that recovery. You know, how to plan it all out, when you're going to time up that uh, that hot to cold shower. But I'm good, Tony. I was not in a great spot early Sunday morning, but we pushed through that. And you know what kept me going, obviously, was the thought of doing the Michigan State of Sports and the mailbag. Thank you to all the all the I hate to I don't know our friends. Thank you to our friends, not our fans that that wrote in some some topics of discussion. It'll be a lot of fun to to delve on into all that. And but, uh, you know, it's it's one of those shows, a Monday mailbag where we just uh, chop it up, lay it out there and see what happens. Yes, that is exactly what we're here to do. And I'd like to preface or maybe clarify this is not an irresponsible hangover this is two days later right so i'm yeah. not you weren't you weren't coming in oh i don't care about the show tomorrow oh. and although we could mail it in since it is <laughs> i like that i like yeah. that we always no, bring it all if I, if i may just you know uh, uh 30 seconds of clarification here uh shout out to my younger brother josh ritma joining the united states army coming up here in his next couple of weekends are all tied up leading up to it before he goes to basic training so this previous weekend we had a little family get together out on the boat we got after it on saturday i i got my ass kicked in golf between the brothers cousins and grandparents that's that you talk about the low tony i almost texted you i was in a very very low place saturday morning after getting my ass kicked by every single person in my family that golfs i got last place pine mm -hmm. knob did me in if i never play the hawk at pine knob again i will die a happy man and it will still be too soon, even if you never have to play it again. Well, um, congratulations and thank you for your service, Josh. I think first and foremost, that's awesome. Um, and I'm yeah, sure you... and thank me for my service for not letting. We always my... thank you. We always sarcastically thank you for his service, but he deserves an actual genuine. No, thing. for sure. But I didn't let I didn't let my terrible round Saturday morning ruin the rest of the day. Like I said, we got after it on the boat after that, and you know I needed to drink my pain away of being the world's worst golfer. All right. He's cooler than you, right? Your brother? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Coolest Ritma by far. I mean, I, it's, it's kind of a competition for three? what's that? Where are you in the cool hierarchy? Two yeah. 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 I think it, it, this is one of those sliding scales, kind of like your AP top 25, which is with a goobs, Alabama, uh, my younger brother, like he's never, he's always number one. He's always, always the coolest. So, but there's, that's, that's a whole nother conversation for a different time. Tony, we got, we got mailbag topics to get into. We got the Michigan state of sports. I'm pumped to be here. I'm feeling good. Sunday. I was not, but today is Monday. It's a new day. The coffee is hot. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. Yes, I'm glad you're pour over. We got a bougie. We got a bougie co-host. Am I? 
Mike coming down on you too hard. I'm calling him. No, I, no, I mean, he's just calling me out for this, he's that, a, and the he's other. A great guy, and the coffee looks wonderfully delicious. Um, and before we dive into the mailbag too quickly, because we do have a few Pistons mailbag topics, this was a very nostalgic weekend. I don't know if it was for you. It was for me seeing one of the, I'd say, faces of our childhood in Detroit sports in Ben Wallace go into the Hall of Fame. I just wanted to get your thoughts about his induction before we really dive into the mailbag here because the, every, everyone always says, oh, you know how Detroit sports teams are. They're, they're gritty, they're grimy, they, like, they fight. I mean, there's the bad boys, there's the, the Tigers in 06, just the, the turnaround team. There's all, all those wings teams with the Russian Five. And then, uh, I mean, they did it sexy, then they did it gritty. And then there was, but no team, I think, ever, and this is not a new take, but it's a relevant take because it's it's Ben Wallace. No team has ever embodied what Detroit is actually about. Then we're going to hold you to 70 points. That's the way. If you're coming to Detroit, you're not scoring 70. Right. And the anchor of that team, well, Chauncey was the captain and Mr. Big Shot, the anchor. And, the, and she'd had the attitude. Ben Wallace was the essence. Ben no Wallace doubt. was the, the heartbeat of that team. And... It's, it's just so – I'm so glad that he actually got into the Hall of Fame. From JUCO or whatever to D2, Virginia Union. Virginia Union University. Absolutely. And then four-time defensive player of the year and, 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 and an NBA Hall of Famer. That's our boy. That's no, our- I think what, what you said about the just the team overall in general is so perfectly uh, accurate of what that team was. And it's crazy that you could go through one through five. Chauncey is the captain rip in his role and every single player had such a important role to make that team what it was it's like you know and 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 ben wallace being the heartbeat is is also a good way to put it because it was it was like one total body and they were each their own part you know the the sum of the parts was so much better in that sense and they truly embodied the true team and we can use all those cliches but that was our childhood that was i i think it's always great to go back and and sometimes we're guilty of this even more as detroit fans because the present has been so uh um un you know as has been terrible put it as it is and so you're you're more apt to look in 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 the past and in this case i think it was warranted with with ben wallace being inducted into the hall of fame and just a great reminder of what he meant to an entire city, what he meant to an entire organization and for him to be rewarded. And he even, I don't know if you saw his, I mean, one of many um, of the, of his interactions with the media upon hearing that uh, he was a hall of famer, but he said, I, I did it my way. And it wasn't necessarily the, the glitz and the glamor, but to be rewarded for who he was and what he meant is pretty special. But it's funny because like, like, and, and you're totally right. But to us, I, I mean, I mean, we, I mean, who enjoyed those days more than us, the 11 year old kids or whatever, but it was glitz and glamour to us, right? Like yeah. only he could make muddying up the game and just playing some, like I'm fouling your ass at the rim, hard nose. Yeah. I'm six foot seven, but you're not banging on me. I'm banging on you type basketball. That was sexy. That was everything that like, I mean, that would never, ever in a million years happen anymore. And no, now, you're exactly right. Now understand what the old heads sound like back in my day. Like, <laughs> I actually think what it's going to be like when we try to explain to our kids that the Pistons were beating the Pacers 72 to 66 in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it was extremely compelling. Right. And, like, like, you couldn't look away. 
Yeah, you know, like kids nowadays are, and and I guess for good reason or whatever, there's ways to grow the game, but every kid wants to emulate Steph Curry and taking step back three pointers. But I can remember a time growing up at AAU, like it was, you know, the 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 no fly zone and, and nobody was going to get an easy basket and you were going to foul them and you were going to hold opponents under 70 because that's what the going to work Pistons did. And, and, you know, maybe it was more prominent with us growing up in Michigan, but it didn't necessarily have the 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 national appeal that that a Steph Curry or the Warriors would in making threes all the time. But I think to a lesser extent, how we talk about Steph Curry changing the game, I think Ben Wallace and those Detroit Pistons going to work changed the game in terms of how we look at defense. And I would love to get back to a point like that. But like we said, we're really sound like the old timers here, but I love it. I don't, I don't think we're ever going back. This thing's only it's, it's kind of on a one way track going the opposite direction. But that's all just another thing that makes it more special. That was the way we did it. And even today, if you look back at the last 20 championship teams, they all had stars. Every, every single one of them, with the exception of maybe Dirk in the mask. But even Dirk wasn't, was, was an all-star, all-star. And yes, four of those Pistons were all-stars, but they were reserves. It was just a team. Nobody ever says, if you think team basketball to win an NBA title last year, it's the 04 Pistons. Absolutely. And so shout out to Big Ben. All right. We got lots of questions that people asked us. Some we did, and and, and thank you to everybody that that sent some sent some uh, some questions in and took some time to do that. That was awesome. We appreciate it. And uh, before we get to that, we're just going to remind you about our wonderful sponsor, Cutting Edge Landscaping. Uh, it is a landscaping service, twenty five years owned and operated, family business based out of Ann Arbor. They're just the best in the business and it is now officially warm. Jake, as we, I mean, we've been doing this podcast almost six months now and the seasons keep changing. At first we were telling you about the snow and ice removal. Then we're telling you about, you know, maybe start mulching the lawn, getting it right. Now I hope you already have things prepared and properly set. I'm, I don't own a house, so I don't have a yard that needs to be set, but I hope everybody else does because now is, I think, when you sort of start ramping things up. If you want to start making changes, you want to make additions to the lawn, that's what you need Cutting Edge Landscaping for right now. So go to a2cuttingedge.com, get a consultation, uh, send shoot them a message, let them know what you need. And if you tell them that you heard it from Tony on the Michigan State of Sports, they're going to give you the best rate possible. They will hook you up. Tony, I'll add to that, that, um, you know, the way I kind of gauge where we're at um, on the the landscaping scale is just how bad my allergies are. And the last two weeks, mid-May, they're, they're hitting like a ton of bricks and you can probably see it in my eyes right now. Um, of course, talking to Tony, this is an audio medium. I probably don't sound great either, but the the Allegra has been flowing lately. And I know that's an important time of the year that uh, the, the, the trees do the pollen um, I, I'm not going to explain the scientific part of it because I don't know it, but the allergies are hitting, meaning that uh, spring is in the air. Yeah, it is. And finally, we're not going in the 40s and 30s anymore. It's just, it's just warm all the time. So once again, if you got any landscaping to do, you know where to go. All right. So where do we start with this mailbag? We got, I know we, we got we got questions sort of all over the map here. And uh, as we like to do it on this podcast, we sort of kept it free flowing. So um, when there's when there's real topics to dive into, we always make sure we, we have a few points we want to hit on and we orchestrate it a little better. But when it's something fun like a mailbag, we haven't really I, I don't know what questions you were asked. And other than the questions that were posed to me on Twitter that you responded to, I don't know if you know what I was asked. No, I do not know what you were asked. I want to end um, kind of on the lighter note with the fun exercise where we asked our, some of our close friends about 
the okay. other co-hosts. Like, for example, I asked my good friends about what they think about the real Tony Garcia and, and he did the same. I think that'd be a good way to end because I'm, I'm really curious what, uh, what your guys had to say about me and vice versa. I'm with it. So how about we'll just start alternating. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. Podcast out in front of everybody and air out our dirty laundry and then we'll <laughs> keep this going. All right. First question from maybe uh, one of our most loyal listeners, Evan Brooks, my good buddy. Yes, I have that one pulled up right now. We're on the same page. Great work. All right. So two-part question. We're going to start with part one. That's how two-part questions work. Lions rookie you are the most excited for. I would like to, if it's okay with Evan, not that I have time to clarify, I'm going to make a caveat that neither of us can pin it, can pick <laughs> Penne Sewell. Oh, Tony, that's who I was going to pick. No, no. I, no well, I of course yeah. we both were because who? what is there to get more excited about than someone who could be a franchise altering left tackle? I should have taken Justin Fields, 2485. I kid, I kid, I kid. Go on. So you you first. Who are you most excited to see in a Lions jersey this year? And if it is Penne Sewell, which I know it probably is, and, and that's going to be your answer. You need to give me earth shattering. No, no, no. I mean, obviously I am excited to see him, but we, I like the idea of not uh, including him because I want to, I want to jump down to the fourth round because I believe, I mean, we talk all the time, Oh, value versus position of need, blah, blah, blah. I, I get nauseated when I listen to myself, talk about the draft. So everybody, everybody just kind of buckle up for that. I mean, it goes without saying, but the fourth round, I feel like, there was the glaring need where you you have to address the wide receiver position eventually. And wide receiver is a position, the skill position that lends itself to occasionally somehow, some way finding that late round steal. And yes, you could go position to position, top to bottom year after year and find different steals at each and every position. My point being is if Amon Ra St. Brown, and also the names a lot, I mean, all these names are fun to say or not so fun to say, however you want to think about it. But that being said, if he can be a guy and I think he's going to get ample opportunities to prove himself because I mean, there's just, there's, that's a position area for the lions that is just so so thin and so you're gonna you're gonna throw him into the fire a baptism by fire right away see what he can do as a rookie you know he 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 kind of felt uh we talked about it when he when the night of the draft or the our first show after the draft where he felt like he was shortchanged a little bit going in the fourth round he posted the videos you're a fan of that i personally am not but i would love to pr him to prove me wrong and show that he can be a, a, an impactful rookie at that wide receiver position. So out of USC, I'm going with him. Yeah, we, we gave him the the Golden Tate comp. And I don't know if there's anyone there. Maybe my selection uh, is the only other person who was drafted later-ish, but is still in position to slide in and play right away. There's not a lot of front. There's not a lot in front of Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, the Lions probably had the worst wide receiving core in the NFL. Yes. And they had to address it. And, of course, they had the worst defense in the NFL. So they had to address that. And whichever way you had gone, the I mean, fans who wanted the other one are going to say, aren't you going to fix this? Aren't you going to fix that? But, I mean, there's only so many picks to go around. And I thought that was a wonderful value pick. And, uh, and, and I think he can slide into the slot. I'm curious how many packages there are going to be that we have with slot receivers. And this is probably getting too much into the minutia of it just because – 
of TJ Hawkinson and what I'm sure will be an expanded role. And then the signing of Darren Fells, which you can laugh, but from what I understand about our new coach, Dan Campbell, he likes to, I mean, you know, tear your kneecaps off, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's going to play some hard-nosed football. And if you think about Anthony Lynn, the offensive coordinator, what do these guys want to do? They want to run the football. So I think right. there might be a lot of two tight end sets. I don't know how many three wide, four wide sets with a lot of slot receivers there's going to be. However, that could work to his benefit that he's not expected to do too much right away. And he could just slide in. And I mean, playing time is earned, right? If he is, if he needs to be on the field, they're going to find ways to get him on the field. And so I think that's a, I think that's a great pick. And I don't think there's a lot standing in his way. I'm also going to stay in the fourth round for my pick. Yes. Uh, someone who I don't see a lot, of, a lot in his way is Derek Barnes, the, the linebacker out of Purdue. That was going to be my um, other one. So look at that. Look at that. Like we planned it, Tony. Brown was going to be mine. So it's two, two great, great minds or two average minds that work about <laughs> the same, however you want to look at it. Um, I mean, I mean, you've heard all, all the talk of the kind of linebacker he is. We've got to see him a little bit playing, playing in the big 10 too, which is always nice. Um, I mean, he's a sideline to sideline guy and, uh, he, I mean, he gets downhill, but, but he can still move laterally. Um, I mean, three down line- player, three down player. I think the linebacker cliches are, are my favorite. I mean, all of the, the position, you know, the can play in a phone booth, oily hips. I love them all. I love them all. Just keep them coming. <laughs> but I think with Barnes, it's kind of, I mean, of course the whole point is it's always true. Like you don't just, I hope people don't just say it just to say, it. but if you actually watch his tape, I mean, this dude hits hard and and it's not just once someone gets to the second level he can meet you at the first level he can he can shoot the gap and um and i don't know about his pass defense ability but i know he's good against the run and that's a good place to start and they say he's all right against the pass anything is better than jared davis or uh giovanni T- or giovanni's a lot wait jelani Tavat, whatever yeah 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 i yeah. all right i'm so glad you said that because that is I am going to be the biggest Derek Barnes fan simply because he's not Jelani Tavai. I will go on record. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it, may, it makes for compelling audio. I think he's my least line, favorite line of all time, Jelani oh Tavai. I, I don't know what – it's probably not his fault, but just being that bad of a player taken in the second round. Him and T's Tabor, just yeah. all-time yeah. worse, second-round picks. Yeah, they are. If you look back at the second-round picks for a decade oh. – it's so they I mean they haven't and that's why the the pressure is on um the the, the tackle from Washington I guess if you really want to call it that way to end the to end the second round streak Levi Unzawada Wike Rike guy okay yes yes yeah correct and that's Levi. why yeah no, well we should just start going by first names when the, <laughs> the too difficult yeah like elementary school teams but no no I I think that's a great pick do you want to jump into the second part of our our guy Evan's question I think we should. Um, and that is what record do you want the Lions to go versus what record will they actually go? Um, I mean, for me, it's very simple. I want them to go whatever the most win games they can win while still getting the first overall pick. That's the record I want. So if they got to go three and 14 for that to happen, then I want them to go three and 14. If they got to go two and 15. Well, I mean, they're not going 10 and seven making the playoffs this year anyway. So why would I say, oh, you know, I mean, I really hope that there can be some building blocks. I hope that uh, the guys feel good. I hope they get to seven and 10. There is a little bit of that. And that it's tricky when you get a new coach and a new regime in because there are so many good vibes, weirdly right now, wouldn't you say, in the organization? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And 
nothing can kind of kill that quite like some losses. And so it's tough, right? You don't want to, you don't want to start out of the gate 0 and 5 and be like, yo, like, yeah, this dude came in fired off in the offseason, but can he coach a team? What's going on? But you also don't want to start out 4 and 1 being like, okay, we're hitting the meat of the schedule. We're not going to make, if we somehow luck into a wild card, which the Lions will not be doing this year, I promise you. Like, if we somehow did, then, then, like, I don't know, we can make a run at this. That's not what's going to happen either. And so I, I just kind of want to, I want to see, I want them to do what the Pistons did. I want to see the young guys play well and lose enough to get a great pick. That's a exactly productive right. tank, a productive tank, if you will. Versus well, what I think they'll go really quickly. Five and 12. There you go. 17 games this year, folks. Remember that one. All right. I No, I like this question, too, because, uh, you know, when the schedule came out last week, every obnoxious sports talk radio host like myself does the let's play the schedule game how many wins do you see here two four eight five three nine and you you go through game by game and then that became a conversation in one of the group messages i'm in my fantasy football league again nobody cares but that's uh was a topic of discussion for an entire night everybody going back and forth well i think they'll win this game you know looking at the schedule and you know full disclosure i've got the schedule pulled up in front of me here i just i don't see them winning within for sure none of the first three games that being san francisco green bay baltimore uh then on the road against the bears i'm not going to go game by game but i i think and a lot can be determined with what happens with aaron Rodgers. and i made my thoughts clear i think the bears are going to be a good rosters i just i don't see us winning a lot of division games i don't think the i think the out of conference or not non-conference i don't know what you call it the the non-divisional schedule is tough with the exception of the 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 Bengals that are on there we the Cardinals are always a wild card Broncos might be a game that you could win Falcons also a game that you can win no chance they're winning in Seattle to close out the season and then again against the Packers so I I have an over under bet at five and a half and I took the under because I thought it would be right around four and five so but again this this far in advance you know nobody knows what's going to happen in the offseason you got the injuries that can obviously become a huge part of it so i think it's funny when people start talking about uh season odds because it's just a, it's just a guess at this point but i think they'll go i think they'll be right around that four or five win mark you said five and 12 so i'll say four and 13 and what do i want them to do the exact same so i hope that doesn't make it for a a, a boring take but uh, i'm very happy with a a four and 13 record i would be as well i would sign up for four and 13 right now all right my turn to jump to our next question i got to give a shout out to my guy kevin mcshan the host of let's have this conversation a show that i contribute to on a regular basis thank me for my service no kevin's a great friend he's always tuning into our show just as we tune into his and he he sent me no no shortage of topics here tony that's which is great he's got seven different questions we're not going to go through all of them we talked a little bit he wants to know about the impact of the Dwayne Casey extension on the Pistons rebuild. We talked a little bit about Ben Wallace at the beginning of the show, but let's circle back to the current state of the Pistons. You and I are both huge, huge Troy Weaver fans. And I don't want to speak for you, but I think you're in the same boat with Dwayne Casey. I know I am. I don't think you could have a better guy at the center of this rebuild in terms of coaching than Dwayne Casey for the Pistons. I am. Uh, okay. I, I am uh, in, in lockstep with you. And my thoughts about Dwayne Casey are somewhat similar to the last time we got on this podcast and we're talking about Jeff Blaschel. And it's different because he hasn't been around quite as long. 
And at the beginning of his tenure, the, they were trying to go for it. They were, but, uh, but it, it didn't work quickly. And, um, and he, and he was here he saw this thing through going through the bottom of this year. And then they're going to let him try to turn it around. They're going to give him actual talent because just because the, the delusional Pistons brass and the people in charge thought they could win with Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, those of us who had two full neurons to rub together instead of just one knew that that was never going to work. And so that was not a real chance for Dwayne Casey. And we've seen what we can, what he can do. Um, of course, there are questions. Um, oh, like he, he made some nice runs in Toronto. He leaves, then they win the title. It's like, yeah, well, then they got Kawhi Leonard. So that's a little bit different. Um, and so I mean, I'm here for it. I, I'm, I'm definitely willing to give him a chance. Uh, I think he is what he might be a top 10 coach in the NBA. I mean, he, I mean, he, he can be a very, he's a very good coach. I don't, nothing he has done other than what, like, he has not had a chance to win meaningful games. So it's not in Detroit. So it's not like we can say, yes, this is why he earned the extension. But I think the way he navigated this rebuild, the way he let his, the way he just threw the young guys in this year and and managed them. I mean, Killian Hayes, yeah, he got injured. That was kind of a freak thing. I don't think he overworked anybody. I don't think he asked anybody to do more than they were comfortable doing. But he said, look, you this is, this is the direction of this team and you guys are gonna have to sink or swim. And so he let them, kind of flounder around and learn their way. And I think that's why we saw a lot better basketball this final month than the first month. And so three-year extension, uh, I'm here for it. And I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, I, you know, in my, I'm, the people I talk to in my NBA circles are telling me this. And because obviously I don't have a lot of but people. The people you talk to in your <laughs> NBA circles are saying what, Jake? No, I just think uh, you won't, uh, again, the the very, very few people that I, I do know that run in the NBA circle would tell you that Dwayne Casey, um, I, I think there's certain certain critical characteristics of a good head coach in the NBA. And one of them being he gets the most out of each and every one of his players. I think you can check that box with Dwayne Casey. The guys, guys will run through a brick wall for him. Um, you know, I, I say Stewart comes to mind where you know, Dwayne Casey was on, on the airwaves when 97 won the ticket saying he, he has to be careful how literal he is with Isaiah Stewart because he will literally do everything he asks. And that when there was the Anthony Edwards <laughs> trash talk episode, <laughs> Casey, I don't, I don't have, the exact quote but basically like oh Isaiah Stewart's like yeah coach whatever you need me to do to him I got it you know and and so I think uh there's that rapport between player and coach and you're getting the feel that Dwayne Casey is like the old you know the old basketball mind the veteran the grandfather that all these young guys will run through a wall for and I know that's taking all the x's and o's out of it all the skills and and kind of dumbing it down a little bit so I apologize for that but I still think there's that that's it's worth mentioning how much guys like playing for Dwayne Casey so it's not it's not the number one priority but it should be included in the discussion yeah I think that's a great point and something just to piggyback off of that before we wrap up this question is the something not to be overlooked is the relationship between Casey and Troy Weaver. Yes. Because Troy Weaver had absolutely no problem coming in and gutting his team, slashing everything <laughs> he did and doing things his way. You know what he didn't do? He didn't get rid of Dwayne Casey. He kept Dwayne Casey, even though that that was kind of a holdover from from the the days of when the Pistons didn't actually even have a GM. They had two front office guys who sort of co 
Yeah, they had co-managers, just like that episode in the office. Everybody thrives with co-presidents, co-managers. But uh, um, no, I, I, I'm with you, not to cut you off there, but I, I, I completely agree. And I know we're just agreeing nonstop as we get through these mailbag questions, which makes for captivating audio. Maybe we'll disagree with this one because you're a baseball guy. I got one more from my guy, Kevin, if we've got time, which we do. Nothing but time here. Kevin wants to know, and it's a baseball question. So I'm almost like want to read the question and then just put my headphones down and let you go off King, just go off on this question. No, it's not actually controversial. It's, it's actually very intriguing. Just given Michael Fulmer's recent success out of the bullpen, should the Tigers consider making him their full-time closer? Have a great broadcast with Tony, my friend. That's the second part of the question. Ah, well, thank you. And thank you for all the questions, Kevin. We really appreciate it. Um, should they consider making him a full-time closer? I don't want this to be uh, an annoying answer, but my answer is no. And I think what's more relevant is what the actual answer is going to be. And that's going to be no, because AJ Hinch has, I, he, he has said it. And then his actions have backed it up. He doesn't have a closer. He has guys he trusts most to get those final outs, but this is a bullpen of undefined roles. And I think, that is the way to be going forward. No, I, 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 all right, all right, good. We disagree. I just, I don't, I think bullpens have roles for a reason. And if your most reliable bullpen pitcher should be your closer and, and who cares if he used to be a starter? And, and he, sorry, oh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not bothered by the fact that he used to be a starter at all, but I am not completely convinced that Michael Fulmer should be the cl- closer, quote unquote, if we're go- doing one over Gregory Soto. I know he's been better this last month, and I'm extremely um, excited about the fact that Michael Fulmer is throwing 98-99 again. And uh, I don't know, was it you? I was listening to someone. Actually, it, it, it was a different personality uh, at, at your station, I think. And he was someone was, someone was talking about I was listening to the other day. Wow, great job, Tony. Uh, I was listening to someone say, oh, yeah, like I saw he was hitting 91-92 on the, uh, on the gun. And I was like, eh, maybe he doesn't have his fastball today. That was his slider. He was throwing 91 mile an hour sliders. This is Michael Fulmer, not Gregory Soto. And then he's throwing 98 mile an hour heat. And I know this goes sort of to back up your argument that, yeah, he's got the electric stuff again. He's doing great. Why not slide him in as the closer? I don't think he should be the full-time closer because I think he has been great when he's got three, four, when he's been asked to get three, four innings out of the pen and do a piggyback start with Tarek Skubal, which I know this is not the question. I think Skubal needs to go to the bullpen for a a, a few weeks. I think he needs to get right. He needs to find himself. Um, and so, uh, but but as far as Michael Fulmer, no. I don't think he should just be the Tigers' closer. I like the way they're using him. He's been effective all the way around. And plus, I know that he, I know, I say it uh, like I know him. I guess I, I have spoken to him one time, but that's not how I know this. I just know as, you know, as, as, uh, as, a, as just a competitor and the kind of guy who he has always come off publicly or privately, I would imagine, is he wants to be a starter. And I think keeping this undefined role is continuing to motivate him. Not that professional players need motivation. They're all plenty motivated. They want to win. They want to make millions of dollars and they don't, everyone wants to be good at what they do. But I think he is still hungry to be a starter. And so he's just going to try to keep dominating whatever role he's thrown in. All right. So we disagree, which is great because I think you've somehow, some way stumbled into this amazing find for this guy to reinvent himself the what was he the rookie of the year in 2016 as a starter and has been 
you know, I mean, not to his own fault. And sometimes obviously injuries play a huge role, but pretty much worthless since then. I mean, not as a human, just as a contributing to the baseball team, obviously let's make sure I'm clear with that. But all of a sudden you've stumbled into this role that he's excelling at. It's a role of, of need for the tigers. And again, it's in, in 2021, does it, does it matter what defined roles are in the bullpen? No, this is a terrible baseball team. And, and, you know, this, this year is already a wash, but if it's something that we can build for the future and all of a sudden you start molding your closer for the next five years and a guy that went from uh, an electric starter in 2016 to nothing until 2021 has an opportunity to reinvent himself as a closer and help your ball club through this rebuild. And maybe in the years to come is a valuable piece. Why not? Why not give it, every opportunity to see if that will play out that way. I, I think you're right in the sense that a year ago, Michael Fulmer was kind of a sunk cost. He was the guy, I mean, in 2017, 2018, as we were walking into this rebuild, the Mike, the Michael Fulmer question was at a, was at a, at a precipice. It was at its all time high saying, what do you do? This is the rookie of the year. Do you trade him because his stock is so high and then try to get a bunch of people? Or do you realize you are trying to trade someone to find another Michael Fulmer? And do you realize, oh, we just have him and we're going to let this rookie, we're going to, we're going to kind of be the ones to, to, to grow him here. Everything fell apart, as you mentioned. And now as of last year, Michael Fulmer had no value. And to your point, he has value again. Why rock the boat? Why not just leave him as a closer and see if, all right, this wasn't the path we expected, but Oh boy, this could be a big step in find any place you lock down a guy, whether it's a spot in the rotation or a spot in the bullpen, and you have someone you know you can go to, whether it's a, I mean, you need every position on the baseball field. You need, you need a leadoff hitter. You need, you need a, a, a three guy. You need a fourth starter in the rotation and you, and you need someone who you can trust to close out games. I still think the Tigers need that, but I don't think right now, because he's done it pretty well for a month that the Tigers should commit that Michael Fulmer is the closer. Maybe That's- not commit to that, but just continuing to, all right, we're probably saying the same thing with a different twist, if you will, because I, I, I don't think you have to commit to it, but why not continue to, to add water to this prospering? Wasn't the, question, wasn't the question, should he be the full-time closer? Let, let, let's see. Yeah. Consider making Michael Fulmer the full-time closer. That's yeah. committing to it. Yeah. And I don't think the Tigers should commit to it. I, I, think, I think they should. It's something they should continue to look at and continue to do. And, uh, but no, like when, when Soto was the quote unquote closer, the closer for the Tigers means the most high leverage situation. I'm okay with giving Michael Fulmer the highest leverage situation. If it's a four, three game with one out in the seventh and the other team has the bases loaded, that's probably the most high leverage situation in the game. Put Michael Fulmer in that. I'm fine with that. Or if it's a Two, two nothing game in the ninth and they get the leadoff runner on and you were trying to see if the starter could throw a complete game or something, go right to Fulmer. I'm okay. Wherever you want to put him coming out of the pen, I'm fine with it. I don't want to just 2005 or 2009 Jim Leland this. Yeah, he's our closer. He's throwing the final three outs. You need to find someone to get the final three outs. You got to get the, the 25th, 26, 27 outs are the most important outs in baseball. We've all heard it. Yeah, it's true. But the Tigers have two or three guys who can get that. And I want Fulmer, the way he's pitching right now, to pitch whenever the leverage is at its highest. All right, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I am a jerk, and I love you. But who are those other two and two or three guys that that Gregory Soto? 
no, sure. uh, uh, all right, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. We disagree. That that's all there you don't, is. You don't it. you don't trust Gregory Soto? To get nope. he's, had, nope. he's had a rough couple of weeks, but <laughs> but his 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 stuff. I mean, oh yeah, you sound like my grandfather. He's got a no, live arm. He's, no. His stuff's electric. No, he go- okay. It's not. I I get it, but it's not that simple. He goes as his command goes. Right now, his strikeout to walk ratio is not as as great as it had been when he was the the best thing going for the Tigers in like August of last year. I still like, I still think he has the best arm in the bullpen. He does. And the lefty who can throw 99 is a weapon. He's going to get his chances. So fine. They have one other guy. Okay. Are you saying Michael Fulmer is the only person in the bullpen? <laughs> no, but he's the best option. What's the spin Which rate? What's it look like coming out of the pitch Which tunnel? Why he needs to throw the most high leverage situations, not just the final three outs. Because you're not going to get to the final three outs unless you get through the first eight innings. No, in 2021, maybe. Man. But You're an old man. <laughs> and you're thinking like it's the 1950s. <laughs> Bob Gibson isn't throwing 277 innings this year. We, forget, <laughs> forget pitch counts. I want my starter to go nine innings. All right. So at least we disagreed on yeah. one. Let's go to the Twitter waves. We've got more uh, more, more to get to on, on this mailbag session of the Michigan State of Sports on the Twitter waves, yeah? Yes, we do. Your guy um, Joe coming at me. How about how about something a little deviate a little bit from sports? Or if you have another sports one. Give us one more sports one, and then we'll get into some of the some of the fun ones for the final five to ten. No, I want to go with your your guy Joe. I don't want to butcher his last name. Joe Cronus is that? Am I saying that right? That is yes, Joe Cronus. All right, another faithful listener who has he is never short on sarcasm. He is uh, he will and he lives to make fun of me, which I I love. I I love that because I I'm the same way. But I in being that way, I know I'm susceptible to the exact same response because I say a lot of dumb stuff. So he asked your, the, and he was giving it to you. And, and I know, you, I, mean. I know he feels like he knows you because he and I talk about our podcast. He listens to our podcast all the time and he listens to you on 97 one, but I don't know if you and him have ever, like have ever got to speak or anything, but he, so this is who he is. No problem throwing shade your way, Jake. And I love that. Scale of one to 10. How good was Justin Timberlake in draft day? <laughs> Such a phenomenal question that, that deserves, um, how much time do we have here? No, I won't spend the rest of the show on it, but Joe is, um, again, correct in pointing out one of my, I would call it one of my major gaffes on the radio. When it's live radio, you don't get uh, you don't get a redo. You just got to kind of roll with it. As a producer, I was a part of a segment that was talking just about, you know, some boring, you know, best sports movies, blah, blah, blah. And it was right around draft day. And all of a sudden we started breaking down the Kevin Costner movie draft day, which I love and hate. Obviously it's, it's the most unrealistic, so cheesy, so cliche, but as a football guy through and through, yeah, football guy, I, 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 anytime it's on, I'm going to watch it. It's kind of like a train wreck. You it's, it's tough to watch, but you can't look away. And there's so many iconic quotes, like about the quarterback Callahan. If nobody went to his birthday party, you can't draft him. Vontae Mack, no matter what, all those good lines in draft day. And for some 
odd reason, I still cannot figure out why my stupid brain went this way or what happened. But I love the scenes with the Cleveland Browns organization. And there's that other famous actress. And again, I'm terrible at, at putting actors and actresses with faces and names and actually putting them in the correct movie. But for some reason, I thought the nerdy intern in draft day was Justin Timberlake. And I just went on and on on live radio about Justin Timberlake in draft day for, it had to be five minutes. And Jeff Rieger, who was hosting at the time was like, and then he would, he, to, to his credit though, he put it in the talk back that doesn't go over the air. He's like, dude, I don't think Justin Timberlake's in draft day. So he tried to help me out. And I was just so sure. I was like, yeah, he's the nerdy intern. He's hilarious. He, he works for the Cleveland Browns. That's Justin Timberlake. And at commercial we go back and pull up the um you know the list of the cast and i just had the just that horrible horrible feeling of just knowing you were dead wrong you screwed up an entire segment all over your body oh yeah and and know that you just opened yourself up for criticism to be ridiculed and rightfully so because you were dead wrong for and it wasn't just like a quick chime in thing it was a legit five to ten minutes so joe i appreciate the reminder again i said on twitter i put myself anytime i do something like that i like to put myself on probation for like probably like a two-week period that if i do that again then i'm just gonna quit completely just end my radio career Right. And it's bad enough when we do it on here with our handful of listeners and <laughs> who, who we love and appreciate every single one of them. But it is a little bit different audience here versus on the number one sports talks show. Yeah. And uh, to add to that, you've got the, the ticket text feed that comes in and you just it's it's like it's almost like if you ever played paintball, like you're just standing there and just getting pelted with paintballs. And it's just ticket text after ticket text. Dude, JT wasn't in draft day. You idiot. JT wasn't in draft day. What the bleep are you talking about? Get this. Yeah. Get this guy off the air. And just to see every ticket text come in. It's just such such a steady stream that just adds to the, the, the sinking feeling of knowing you completely screwed up and are a complete and total jackass. I'm sure it felt great. No, terrible. But to know to answer your question that we messed up um, quickly before you answer answer the question, um, we uh, we we butchered the uh, the Friday Night Lights line last week when it is clear eyes, full hearts hearts can't can't lose. Yes, Yes. and we were just we 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 were not saying it properly. We were like, yeah, yeah, full hearts, like clear eyes, like blah blah blah. And then one of my buddies in the same way was like. When he was giving me feedback about the podcast, he said, I almost had to turn it off when you messed up the Friday Night Lights line. Perfect. So, I so. think I was probably guilty of that. That, that was all me. It was yeah. both. Yeah. Well, along those same lines, I'll give you a quick hot take. The Friday Night's the movie with, again, Kevin Costner and is so much better than the, the TV show. I can't get through the TV show. I, I just think it was wildly overrated. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's turning me off now because of that. <laughs> no, I, lo- no I, lo- I love that take. And um, all right, do I need to answer Joe's question that he asked me? Because it's just so ridiculous and we're limited on time and we have more questions. No, I am dying to know it. Yeah. So just like in a one minute or less. How did you get the nickname Child's Play? Well, what I would say is that this was just projection. When he says the nickname Child's Play, this means he calls me Child's Play. Because as we compete against one another in whatever event it is, if we're playing basketball or football. Um, although generally he was my wide receiver. So I don't know why I'm gassing him up as my wide receiver one um, when he's just chirping me. 
Um, how did I get the nickname Child's Play? It's just because Joe's an ass and he was just trying to call me Child's Play, acting like like I couldn't hang with him when in the actuality, it is so the opposite. I feel that. I feel like I need to meet Joe in person. Is he like, is he a hooper? Is he a golfer? Is there some kind he's of... Hockey, he's a hockey guy. Oh, he, okay. He, he's a big hockey player. Um, very much not a hooper. He plays basketball like a hockey player. Nice. Um, but but he, a big, big no blood no foul guy. You know the hockey guys like oh every basketball player complains about fouls. Yeah, a lot of elbows, a lot of elbows, <laughs> a lot of aggression. Um, but no, he's good time and he'll he'll play golf. He does not golf actively, but uh, if you're going golfing with him, you'll you'll, you'll get 10, 10 or twelve beers in. Uh, Perfect. I mean, so, it could only help me again. My golf game as it is at an all time low. I was very depressed over the weekend because of it. Well, I if when I thought about my golf game, I was very depressed. Fortunately, I had other things to distract me. But do we got we got time to close it out with our uh, our viewpoints from our friends on one another. Um. Yes. Although I want to get one more in. Yeah, really, one more. And then and then the viewpoint from you. Uh. So I got two questions from my buddy Tyler. Um, this is a good one to start with. Um, I know we have different levels of experience with this, but I think it's good as someone who is in his shoes on your for you um, to, to maybe answer this. He says, I'm moving in with my girlfriend in four weeks. Any pro tips, guys? Oh, I love this conversation. I have never, let me go on record. I have never lived, like legit lived with a significant other. So uh, every, like anything on this podcast, what I say can probably go in one ear and out the other. Okay, but still, I want to hear what are I mean, what do you think about that as you um, think about the, 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 the days ahead as you move in with uh, with, uh, with I a think lady. this is going to sound cheesy, but I think you got to be openly communicate like one thing I have going for me is I'm aware of the fact that I can be the worst. And so if I if I give that significant other a fair warning that, hey, you like what you're signing up for, no human should do. I am the worst. Here's why you lay out all of your flaws and then it's a classic undersell over deliver. And if you say you're the worst thing ever, and then, and somehow some way be just slightly above that, you've set yourself up for success. It's all about perception, right? Yes. Perception versus reality. The only problem with that is this is not like someone new. If you're, if you're dating, oh, yeah, right, up right. Move in, they kind of know who you are. Right. Or you think you do, because I, I have lived with, lived with my girlfriend uh, for, for a couple of years. Now we don't not not currently we live together in Chicago on jobs and on different sides of the state has us apart right now, but we will soon be getting a place probably in the fall once again. What I would say is be ready for your schedule to change, because when you live alone, you I mean, you, you need to be flexible, I guess be be prepared to be flexible, because you're not just living for you anymore. Um, when you have your own place and yeah, you're talking with your girlfriend, you'll see each other a couple times a week when you can. It's very different when every single time you're coming home, you're coming together. And oh, if you miserable. normally, if you uh, make some dinner and then normally like you're tired or you just want to have a couple of beers and then I'll get to the dishes the next day. But the girlfriend's oh, yeah. like wants all the dishes done and she didn't want to do it or she made the dinner. She wants you to make clean the dishes and you're like, eh, I'll get to it later. I mean, you just learn a lot about the little quirks with people and you don't get that space anymore. It's, um, it can be great. Um, I'm, I, it wish, sounds miserable. I wish, no, I wish Michelle and I were still living together. Cause no, you got so much help with the dog. Like right now I got Tyson behind me. If I want to take him out, I got to do it. If I want, if I want some food, I got to make it. If I want to clean some up, I got to do it. 
there's a it's a lot it's a team when you live together and that's the great part about it you always have help but also because you have help you have to be willing to help um and it can be difficult it's, it's a lot it's a lot of compromise and so i would say just be as flexible as possible and be prepared for whatever your routine is to switch because it will and you need to find a new routine that works in your cohabitant life together tony the i mean that's admirable the last two minutes of audio i as i look over to my sink and see dirty dishes from probably at least a week and my my place isn't a mess but it's the thought of just not doing whatever i want on my own time is is, is truly horrifying it's and it makes me sound like the most selfish person in the world which I don't think I'm the most. I, I probably am on a list somewhere in like a top 25 list, but, no, but I, I just think too. girls do the same thing. Like if you want to take a, an hour and 45 minutes to shower and do your hair, like, well, we might not have time for that. Like we might have some other things <laughs> we have to get to. You know what I mean? Like I can't just spend, I can't, I, like, you can't just go play 18 in the middle of the day with yeah. absolutely no thought you need to check in yeah hey, i don't do the check-in thing i if 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 i'm not at work or seeing family it's 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 whatever jake wants to do and i know that's selfish and probably why in my late 20s that i am single and will continue to be single but uh so far uh i i, I don't know it, it, it's gonna take the right one to change that mindset because i think it happens organically right sounds pretty yeah. cheesy yes Believe but me, i would never have given up my into you don't give up yourself just for whatever right like it doesn't feel like a sacrifice if you're doing it with the right person there you go there you go like two weekends ago a, a golf weekend up north with the boys and and half of them are, are facetiming and checking their phones and that's just that's not gonna be me i'm a terrible person yeah no you're no you're doing it right um okay so question one question about you question about me put a ball on it yeah, absolutely. All right. So my boys who love ripping me and love ripping anybody that I'm with and love just they're, they're assholes. I love them. But uh, that's just that's just the way they are. And we've got we got a couple quick ones that number one, they just wanted to take this time to rip on you. And so the first one is it's not even a question. Well, they made take. What's that is it for my Lindstrom take? No, 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 no. That was a bad one, too, though. Um, No, no, that one was fine. But uh, my buddy Garrett Bryden, who's a new dad, by the way, congratulations to him and his beautiful wife, Sarah, who is a hooper at Northern Michigan, a little GLIAC football player, GLIAC basketball player. That kid better be good at sports. But he just wants to know, Tony, how does the Michigan State banner for the 2021 Final Four look hanging up in the Breslin right now? Which is a knock on he was I've never seen the guy more upset or more triggered by your Michigan State basketball takes as specifically as it relates to them losing to UCLA and UCLA going to the final four. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to double down. I'm going to double down. Oh, no. If nothing else, it showed if that UCLA team could make that type of run that the same could have happened with Michigan. State. But it didn't. Well, of is- course it didn't. And of, OK, yes. The, the I'm sure my Spartan tears taste like candy and the, the empty spot in the rafters is it's hollow is as hollow as my heart and my chest and my soul. And yes, I'm an idiot. Yes, I was a slappy. <laughs> I, I bought in hook, line and sinker. I thought they could do it. Then spur of the moment, I'm rationalizing things that, you know, you lost the game. You lost the game. That's what a one and done tournament is. That's how sports is. If sands or butts are great, you either get it done or you don't. Doesn't matter if you lose by 40. Doesn't matter if you lose by one. 
the premise after agreeing to everything they said i'm going to talk it back my girlfriend loves when i do that oh, after yeah. acknowledging all the reasons why what you said could be right i'm going to stick with what why i said why i thought it could be right michigan state played the team that went to the final four as and was a half court Jalen Sugg shot away from a championship appearance, mind you. They were leading them by 14 in the second half, right? And then coming up after that was Abilene Christian. There was a very good chance they win that game. All you have to do is just not choke away a five point lead with one minute left. I'm not saying they go to the final four, but I'm didn't. saying then if what should if what could have happened happened then you're looking at this horrible Michigan State season that is just a Sweet 16 appearance. So it's it's bad. It's awful. It's I'll bad. let you keep that, though. And and I want to I, I wish now that I'm regretting doing all this at the end, because there's a lot more that I want to spend some more time on. But we are we are running up against it, getting close to it almost. We're at 52 minutes exactly of audio, which is great. So don't spend a lot of time on this one. But they did chime in is the Northwestern Medill School of Journalism as bad as Jake made it sound. <laughs> Oh my, it, no, it is not as bad as Jake makes it sound. Oh, come on. Okay, no, it's not. You, nobody nobody uh, poo-poo's Northwestern quite like Jake. Listen, there's a clear line. I love Northwestern athletics, working for the athletic department and, and, and nusports.com. Hell of, ex- of an experience. Enjoyed every second of it. Medill? Oh. It's a lot of money and you question whether you get a lot out of it, but look. This podcast wouldn't happen without Medill. Oh, thank God. It's all right. worth it. Am I right? Yeah, yeah you make totally it worth, worth it. it. It's, there were certainly aspects that were disappointing. Um, for just one quick example, everyone gets to go on a study abroad trip or Medill Explorers is what it's called for one week. And you get to go somewhere. There's a bunch of awesome options all around the world, really. Um, of course, we did ours in February of 2020. So the Tokyo trip had to get and different ones going t- towards Asia had to move to London because coronavirus was was cropping up. And so things had people had to be malleable. But I did the All Star game. And so wherever the All Star game was hosted, we got to go. Naturally, it was in Chicago, the year <laughs> in Chicago. So we had to pay the $1,000 activity fee just like everybody else who stay in Chicago. And they didn't even give us like extra food passes. Or oh, I'm sure not. No, nothing. Just stay at your apartment. Maybe we got bagels one day. It was, it was pretty brutal, but, um, dude, we could make a list of the top 10 biggest, like most upsetting moments of our Medill careers. Cause I have so many little ones where I, I, and I wish, I don't know if my good Northwestern friends are, are, are listening, but I just was ready to flip tables. I was ready to throw things. I was, and I think one of them was my venture card um, that you use for the bus being yeah. shut down during spring break. And then the Sunday before school resumed, I still not being able to use my bus card. Yeah. Oh, not till Monday. Yeah, because we weren't in school. And then I know all of the, like the, the activity coordinators, I don't even know what the hell. I'm getting fired up just talking about it. I know they all got fired by the time you were there because they were so bad at their jobs. But just collectively to go top to bottom, some of those positions and some of the jobs that they had compare, and the job description compared to the actual output of what these people that were collecting a full-time salary did for the Northwestern Medill School of Journalism. Oh, it just, it makes my skin crawl just thinking about the it. The amount of money that certain people make that, and the lack of what they give back. <laughs> They're so bad at their job. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. I will say that. All right. All right. Let's make this more about me. Jake. 
Curious to know what life change started since March 2020 in the pandemic, be it a hobby or habit. What what life change did you make that you will carry with you once the pandemic subsides? That's a inter- who's that from? That's like a like serious question. That is also from my friend Tyler. He oh. he's a, he's a deep thinker. I like it. Yeah, um, giving me way too much credit. I golfed more than I ever did in the pandemic because uh, there was time to do that. So I want to continue golfing. exactly the life change. I'm sure we were all. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to cook using my Instapot. I don't enjoy it per se, but I can make some mean citrus glazed pork street tacos, which I did a couple of times. Like enough that if I ever if I ever, which I probably won't ever meet somebody where like, oh, like meet my my boyfriend, he's going to come to a family cookout. Like I am confident in myself that I could bring a dish to pass that would that would suffice. So I wouldn't say I taught myself to cook, but I spent more time cooking using different resources like the Instapot, Trader Joe's, did some grocery shopping. But no, this is a Tyler, this is a good reminder that um I, I don't do a good job of um, adulting or trying to take care of myself. So um, I'm going to, this, this is hitting close to home. I need to get back to uh, the drawing board a little bit and see some improvements that I could, that I could make, you know, self self-reflection time. Cause there's always, always ways to improve. I am a lot of times a lost cause with life skills. So uh, a lot to, a lot to work on. Yes. We all have a lot to work on except Tyler. This is the same Tyler who's moving in with his girlfriend, Lindsay. So good luck, Tyler and Lindsay. Oh uh, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Jake looks so thrilled for you. No, no, Tyler. I'm sure you and Lindsay are, are will make it work and uh, look forward to the wedding. We're happily ever after. That's yes. right. All right. Uh, Jake, we said this was going to be a short episode. It ended up being a long episode, but that's what a good mailbag is when the, our audience gives us such compelling questions. Thank you so much for everybody who, asked us questions and cared to hear our thoughts about it. Such a weird concept, but, uh, but we love it. Um, Ben Wallace is great. The Pistons are in the right direction. We love Dwayne Casey. We're excited about the fourth round picks. Um, Jake still has some things to learn in about working and living with a girlfriend. I still had terrible Michigan state basketball takes. Justin Timberlake was not in draft day and Jake kind of knows how to cook. I think that was it. Yeah. 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 Michael Fulmer should be the closer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrible take. No. Leave him where he is. All right. That'll do it on this episode of the Michigan State of Sports. Thank you for listening. As always, rate, review, subscribe. Be well. Be happy. Be safe. Be nice to each other. We'll see you soon. Peace.